Friday, October 13th. Welcome to another edition of the 801. I'm Kent Garrett. You are listening to WIOX Community Radio 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20 in the Catskills. And we are streaming to the world on WIOXradio.org on computers and smartphones. Plus, you can hear us at 107.5 FM on uh, SUNY Delhi campus. And coming up, President Joe Biden lied about those beheaded babies. And does one atrocity justify another atrocity? Much of the world is now saying yes. And is anyone following the rules of war? Plus, Caitlin Johnstone says, quote, It's interesting how last week Israel had no idea what Hamas was up to. And yet this week, they know every mosque, school, and hospital that Hamas is hiding in. Those stories and more coming up. And we begin this uh, morning morning with the Israeli Defense Forces would not confirm a horrific claim that Hamas beheaded babies during a weekend assault. Uh, spokesman, that's a spokesman for the military told The Intercept that on Tuesday, the claim went viral, becoming a headline-grabbing aspect of a massacre that left more than a thousand Israelis dead. Despite the IDF's inability to confirm the report, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, his spokesman, repeated it on Wednesday, and uh, this is really how unverified reports become part of the historical record, and Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, lied about his personally seeing pictures of beheaded babies. Here's uh, Brianna Joy Gray and Robbie Suave from the Rising broadcast. President Joe Biden says that he saw pictures of beheaded Israeli babies, a claim that is still in serious dispute. Let's watch what he said. I never really thought that I would see and have confirmed pictures of terrorists beheading children. I never thought I'd ever, anyway, I, uh, but there are countries in the region that are trying to be of some help, including Arab nations <clears throat> trying to be of some help. So, uh, anyway. Now, according to the Washington Post, a White House spokesperson later clarified that United States officials and the president have not seen pictures or videos of beheaded children or seen reports independently confirming that. The spokesperson said that Biden based his comments about these alleged atrocities on claims from Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu's spokesperson and also media reports from within Israel. The Israel Defense Forces declined to comment to the Washington Post on the state of the victims' bodies. And just this morning, CNN reported that Israel 
cannot confirm the specific claim that babies were beheaded in a Hamas attack, according to officials contradicting previous public statements. Meanwhile, Israel, uh, Israeli photojournalist Oren Ziv, who covers conflicts in the region and was allegedly part of the media tour, commented on X, I'm getting a lot of questions about the reports of Hamas beheaded babies that were published after the media tour in the village. During the tour, we didn't see any evidence of this, and the army spokesperson or ca commander's also didn't mention any such incidents. Ziv goes on to say, during the tour, journalists were allowed to speak to the hundreds of soldiers on site without the supervision of the Army spokesperson team. I-24 reporter said she heard it, quote, from soldiers. Soldiers I spoke with in Kafar Azah yesterday didn't mention beheaded babies. The Army spokesperson stated, we cannot confirm at this point. We are aware of the heinous acts Hamas is capable of. Ziv also says, quote, this doesn't mean that war crimes were not committed. The scene in Kafaraza was horrific, with dozens of bodies of Israelis murdered in their homes. Sadly, Israel will now use these false claims to escalate the bombing of Gaza and to justify its war crimes there. That's according to that source. Now, as we covered yesterday, CBS News reported that an IDF spokesperson told them that more than one Israeli soldiers have seen young children that were decapitated, and in addition, the head of a civilian emergency response organization told CBS News that he had seen these uh, atrocities. Hamas has denied the allegations that the organization committed crimes against uh, women and children. Hamas has rejected allegations that it committed uh, crimes against women and children. These are, this is the quote, some Western media outlets continue to spread Zionist slander and lies about our Palestinian people and their resistance which falsely and slanderously promoted allegations that members of the Palestinian resistance beheaded children and assaulted women without any evidence to support their lies and claims. Hamas strongly condemns the baseless allegations. So it looks like uh, Biden lied from the pulpit in front of the, all of the entire American people and repeated unconfirmed, we, we knew when we reported all of yesterday, was that it was unconfirmed. The IDF repeatedly declined to confirm, which was, I think, a red flag in and of itself. Of course, we were all waiting to see what got reported out because, of course, nobody would want to downplay or minimize such claims if they were to be true. But the fact that the IDF, who for obvious reasons has every interest in validating a horrific attack from Hamas against Israeli citizens as they are looking for international support, et cetera. The fact that they were unwilling to confirm the reports, I think, was a pretty significant red flag. And then the fact that there were, uh, uh, as, the, as the lie was spreading all across social media, being picked up, CNN said they confirmed it, CNN said they confirmed it midday yesterday, and that it made it all the way to the White House and out of Joe Biden's lips. And then that lie transformed it from just there were 40 beheaded babies to I saw personally evidence of four, 40 beheaded babies. People jumped all online saying, I told you so. You guys were trying to deny the cruelty of Hamas. I told you so. Because the president said it, a president who is so known for being a serial fabulist that his moniker is literally Lion Biden. Yeah, uh, Biden clearly got this one um, wrong, this this uh, this rumor that has floated on social media and that several mainstream news organizations have grappled with um, is is not, in fact, confirmed. Uh, you know, they said it, it's one of those, we talked to someone who talked to someone who saw it kind of thing. 
Um, you know, Biden has a long history of exaggerate. Yes, of, of exaggerations, outright lies. Uh, in fact, he he had to exit his first presidential campaign after plagiarizing a British politician's speech. Um, he's he's made um, misstatements about the circumstances of uh, of Bo Biden's death. He has him and other political figures, including Hillary Clinton and media figures, often have said things about how they were you know close to the danger when they visited. Combat zones. Remember the whole yep. the whole helicopter or plane or whatever it was coming under fire that uh, Hillary Clinton talked about. So uh, just because I, conservatives know this, just because Biden says it does not make it true, and his own uh, his own White House is not backing it up. Um, that's uh, with this with this story. It's not like like it doesn't need to be true in order for the attacks to be horrific. Of the violence not. is horrific. There are. There are bodies lining the the streets. There are there are bullet-ridden corpses. Um, women died. Children died. It was an unprovoked attack on innocent, defenseless civilians, many of whom have been taken captive, and their lives are now being threatened. So it, it doesn't. That this this does not like need to be true in order for for so this attack this to up? rise to the level. Why, of— What is the advantage? Because I have a theory. Of, of making up something like this. What is your theory? Well, I, I mean, I don't know who, I, I think, I, I don't know who initiated the rumor. It, we, we heard something about, um, about injured children being moved from one location to another. I think report. that might be the, the genesis of it. If that is true, I don't know, but go ahead. And to be clear, this lie has been parroted everywhere. I referenced in a different segment that there was a debate between Cornell West and uh, Alan Dershowitz on Fox last night. One of the things that Dershowitz used to try to win the argument against Cornell West, who was arguing for the shared horror, the indiscriminate horror of dead children, whether they be Palestinian lives or precious Israeli lives, Dershowitz says, well, what about the 40 beheaded babies? And that, I think, is a clue to what that particular kind of a rumor does. If you have a tragic mass of death on both sides, including multitudes more Palestinians who have been killed over the last, last 10, 15 years than Israelis who have been killed, and children, Palestinian children, a much bigger horrible, tragic, disgusting pile of Palestinian bodies, then you have to find a way to distinguish why those kind of raw numbers and why all of the children and the tragedy shouldn't be treated equally. And we see words like barbaric, barbarism. No, because Flo it was barbaric. Flown around, flung around. But the barbarism, the, the inhumanity of bombing children in Palestine is not describing those same words. What you need to do is find language that makes it feel like there's something different to the character of it when a Israeli child is killed versus when a Palestinian child is killed. When a Palestinian child is killed, and we heard this from Dershowitz and many other defenders of the indiscriminate killing of Palestinian children, well, it must be the case that uh, Hamas was using them as a human shield. It must be the case that a missile was located, a Hamas missile was located close to those children and it could not be helped. And on the other side, we're, get, we're being told that Palestinians are keeping Israeli children in cages and decapitating them by the dozens, neither which rumor turned out to be true. And yet in the middle of a tragedy that needed no embellishment to make the case for why Hamas's acts are horrible, and tragic, there is still this embellishment, and I believe it is rooted in a desire to strip humanity 
from the people of Palestine and justify doing what Max Miller and a number of other officials in the Israeli oh government God. have said, Max which Miller is to flatten— Max Miller is an obscure Republican official. It does not matter what he says. So every leftist—wait a minute, Robbie. Every leftist in America was asked to apologize for some random protest— They should apologize. They should apologize for their endorsement of terrorist attacks on innocent Israeli civilians, just as I am outraged by the retaliatory actions that are killing innocent Palestinian children everywhere. I care about both— of these things and have said I care about both of these things over and over again. It is you and the idiotic, fat, leftist, terrorist sympathizing people who do not care about the dead Israelis. They don't. So I'm a terrorist. And they've said it over and over again. Black Lives Matter has said it. The Harvard students have said it. The DSA in various locations have said it. The left endorses what Hamas did. They do. They endorse it. The Harvard newspaper said exactly what the editorial page of Israel's major newspaper said. I don't give a f Brianna. Okay, well, that's clear that that's your opinion, but the Israeli voices in Israel who are getting killed because their fascist right-wing government decides to keep two points. The Israelis are getting people. killed because a terrorist group targeted them. Israeli? And they bear responsibility for what they did. Well, Robbie, if you think you know more than Israel, Israelis in Israel, then you can feel free to have your position. But the position of Israelis who are the ones that are being victimized by the, this, this terrorism is that the fact of stripping the rights of 2.3 million people in an apartheid state on their border are conditions Justify terrorist attacks on civilians in those towns. Do you think it justifies terrorist attacks? No. Well, I don't either, so why do you keep saying Well, that? I don't think the occupation is justified either. So okay. why are you saying that so I do? So, Robbie, I'm not saying that you do, but I have yet to hear you offer a solution for why the people that have been kept in an open-air prison for 17 years and who are being indiscriminately bombed right now and their water shut off and their heat shut off and their food shut off and the access to medical supplies shut off and UN staff members being killed by Israeli rockets, what is the solution for that group of people, 2.3 million people, to get self-determination? Is the solution for a terrorist group Wait a minute, no. to attack? Answer the question. There's what is their solution? I support a two-state solution. Because there was a peaceful protest. There have been decades of peaceful protests. In 2018, there was this march. I always get the name wrong, sorry. March of Return, uh, uh, where thousands of Palestinians marched along the wall, peacefully protesting. And Israeli IDF soldiers sniped down and shot them in the feet and knees including children. So that they justifies... Tried, wait a minute. They tried BDS, and we were told our own government said that if you support the boycott, divest, and sanction movement, you are not allowed to get a federal contract in several states, usually southern conservative states in the United States of America. So you're not and allowed DSA to do a, a boycott. candidates whether they will make a pledge to never visit Israel. It's, it's, there's mutual boycotting going on. What are you talking about? That's fine if they want to say that. The point is... <laughs> of course. The, no. The point is, you're allowed to boycott. The question is whether or not your political opinion should get you out of a job. I thought you were a libertarian. I thought you cared about that. I'm going to read a statement from DSA San Francisco. Violent oppression inevitably produces resistance. Socialists support the Palestinian people's and all people's right to resist and fight for their own liberation. This weekend's events are no different. I'm sorry, is that supposed to be own? They literally just recited international law, which allows occupied people to resist. This is why I say you endorse the, or the left is endorsing the terrorist activities. Okay, you can say that all you want, but the, if, the you, if you think that resistance means a terrorist group is allowed to indiscriminately kill civilians, that is a no, monstrous point of view. Not that is the view of the DSA, and that's the view of Black Lives Matter. Every, it's not the view of Black Lives Matter. It was the view of Black Lives Matter Chicago. 
it's the view of someone who ran the Black Lives Matter Twitter page in Chicago. Right. And given that we just interviewed a libertarian, the head of the Libertarian Party, who just said that the Libertarian Party's rejection of RFK Jr. as a candidate was just a peccadillo by somebody that was running the Twitter account, and that she is very happy to that's, embrace RFK Jr. Complete, as a candidate. That's equivocating. I'm calling <laughs> I'm out organizations and the public statements they're putting out, which endorse terrorist activity, endorse violence, Frankly, endorse murder of the, innocence. The, the condemnable action yeah, is if the I was the left, I would want to separate myself from these organizations well, a little bit more. If you, if you are not so afraid of the words that are coming out of my mouth and would let me speak, Robbie, I would tell you. The condemnable action is the killing of civilians and innocents. The condemnable action is not resistance itself. That is something that is worth a distinction. And if you create conditions, every defender of Israel right now is saying, well, Killing Palestinian kids is collateral damage. That's what that's what it means for Israel to defend itself. That it's going to kill some Palestinian kids and innocents. And I oh, have well. criticized that every time it has appeared okay. has come across but our screen. But what the United States of America did was to stand at a podium and say, without any caveats, Israel has a right to do that to defend itself, even if it means killing those innocent women and children. And what people are responding to is the inconsistency with which the lives lost that are innocents are treated. And yes, it matters infinitely more that a sitting Congress member, and by the way, also Lindsey Graham, it wasn't just Max Miller, it was any number of Republican, Republican Congress members. Lindsey Graham also echoed the sentiment that we should level Gaza. He wants to go to a nuclear war with Iran. That's the situation we're in. And so you're sitting here criticizing whoever runs the Black Lives Matter Chicago Twitter page. And I'm criticizing members of Congress who are openly I'm criticizing members of Congress too. We're, we're who are openly contemplating genocide against a population of 2.3 million people, half of which are children. I'm, I have criticized that over and over again. I will continue to do so. Lindsey Graham does not represent my views. I, I don't share any views with Lindsey Graham. I, his foreign policy is everything I think the Republican Party should pivot away from, and the Democratic Party, frankly, which is keep, more, more or bloodthirsty that. than the Republicans you on this. You saying that you criticize this stuff, Robbie, but at I, 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 don't, I do criticize. I don't, I don't hear a lot of criticism from you of the leftist groups endorsing terrorist attacks. I don't think the leftist groups should endorse terrorist attacks. Well, I, they are endorsing Wait a minute. Them. Well, okay. And I don't agree with that. But what I fundamentally do agree with is that they endorse the right to resist. And you keep sitting here saying, I support. I, what I does don't, that mean? I support the occupation. The same way that... If Israel has a right to defend itself, Palestinians also have the right to resist under international law. You cannot, you are not allowed to keep people in an apartheid state and an occupied condition. You are not allowed to shoot randomly into people's cars because you don't like the political situation. You're not allowed to bomb humanitarian aid workers and Palestinians. I agree, children. you shouldn't do that. Okay, so why is it that it only comes out they're not allowed? Israel has the right to resist and it is violating international law. That's the subject of the conversation always. Palestinians Hamas have a right not to exist resist. And has violated it. Well, talk to Bibi Netanyahu about it because it's him and Again, his right You're, you're acting government. like I haven't criticized him all so why, why three are you days. This, why is it every time there's an, an effort to get to the root cause here? Who caused Hamas? Bibi Netanyahu. Who's killing these children? Who's keeping this occupation? Who is endorsing going? what Hamas is doing? The American left. That's who. That's insane, Robert. Well, it's true. <laughs> I, it is insane, but it's true. <laughs> that is I can insane. see their statements. Okay. Everyone knows minute, it Robbie, and everyone Robbie, understands the it. The American left disappears and suddenly Israel is a uh, multiracial, multireligious, halcyon fantasy land where Jews and, Isra uh, and, and Palestinians are walking arm in arm down the Gaza Strip. The American left is humiliating <laughs> itself on this issue. It's so apparent to everyone. You want that to be true so hard. But what the reality is, is that finally.
literally the, the veil where everyone feels appalled to say the simple words. Palestine is an apartheid state. Israel is uh, oppressing an occupied people. 2.3 million people, half of which are children, are being systematically starved and denied medical attention and denied clean water and, and a violent violation resistance of against a, a innocent law. people is what the correct response. Incredible freedom to finally be able to say those things. And in response, because of, because Israel understands the incredible power of shifting uh, its greatest allies in the, the public opinion away from unquestioning support, it is going. Nothing is sending people, people more supportive of Israel than what the left is doing right now. People more are, supportive of military action, which is what Hamas wants. People are going out of their way to lie. And spread the, from the podium of the United States of America, the president is so, they're so threatened by people being able to just speak to the obvious horror that the Palestinians have been living under for years, that they're now willing to lie and fabricate stories about Israeli kids in cages and what seems to be, and we'll see if any more reporting vets this out, a lie about 40 beheaded. How low and craven and gross do you have to be to make up a How lie? How craven do you have to be to say they had it coming? Which is what these people are saying. You can keep putting words they in people's mouth, but nobody believes that, Robbie. Well, you, you can, can see if I read and, the exact tell statement. tell your own tale. The <laughs> right to resist and fight for their own liberation. This weekend's events are no different. Yes. That is an endorsement every, under the banner of liberation every, under the of the attacks that Hamas took this weekend. Your, your quibble was with international law and the fact that you seem to think that people should be living in prison conditions for the rest of their lives without ever doing I don't anything. think violence against civilians will help to ameliorate the neither appalling conditions of the Palestinians. Neither do nor I. Nor do most of the Palestinians, I would yeah, presume. Yeah, neither do I. And that's the, if you refuse yeah. to acknowledge... Hamas thinks that and the DSA thinks that. If you refuse so, to great. acknowledge the difference between resistance and attacks on civilians. That's interesting. I'm not the one who doesn't, who fails to make that distinction. The DSA, the left, is the one failing to make I, that distinction. I just made that distinction. You might not have heard it over the bluster, but I made that distinction. And the fundamental issue is that, of course, Palestine has the right to resist. And people have to work through what that looks like. It's going to include violent resistance. International law allows violent resistance. I don't think violent now, resistance will help liberate golly, Palestine. It's a bad idea, and they shouldn't golly, do it. Golly, Robbie. Like, so. so much of what you want to hear is always in the second half of my statement, All but right. you well, cut it off before I can say it. I, your statements go on like, a long way sometimes. Okay, well, I'm sorry that I'm trying to inject a nuance in a situation where you want to just sit here and, and echo what the mainstream media has to say about how terrorism is wrong. We all agree terrorism is wrong, <laughs> and killing killing civilians is wrong. I happen I, to want to... I, I no, apologize no, for echoing the mainstream consensus that terrorism is bad. No, the, I'm the, sure our, our viewers will be yeah, appalled by it's, that statement. No, it's very brave and big of you to do that. The courageous thing to do right now is to call out you do, our in fact, state, make it seem difficult. Our, our state-funded abuses of the Palestinian people. And while you say, I agree with that, every time I bring it up, you never bring it up. I bring it up and you say, oh, yeah, I agree. But that doesn't sound like advocacy to me. I, 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 that's not fair whatsoever. I absolutely advocate uh, non, again, it's non-intervention and peace on both fronts, on all fronts, as our Libertarian Party guest was saying. That's why I'm a member of that party. doesn't matter what you what your personal views are of it. We should not have violence between countries. We should not endorse and fund it. We're united on that. And no, no one should, in, should, in, should enact violence against someone else, and then you shouldn't engage in retaliatory violence against other people for the violence that was perpetrated against you. That, I don't know why that's controversial. It's not controversial. What's controversial is why nobody wants to talk about how, what 2.3 million people sitting in open air prison for 17 years are supposed to do about that situation. All right, more rising right no after solutions? this. No solutions? No thoughts? What?
What, what, what do you mean? I'm just asking. I'm not an expert in the region. I support what uh, the, uh, a, a two-state solution. You said a two-state solution isn't what they no, actually want. It's not. Whatever it's not equal because participation. Because the Israeli regime of settler colonialism and expanding the, the settlements, there's like a cheesecloth network of uh, what Palestine is even left, and it's not sustainable. It's not, there's no, there's no state we can have to, on, to draw a line around. We can have on whatever guest you want who is an expert on what would be best for the Palestinian people or is in touch with what the desire of the Palestinian people no. is for a, for a, is, for land and silly. equal political treatment. No, and I will, I will likely I, I endorse whatever that. I can tell that, you, the fundamental issue is that Israel has said it has, as a matter of state policy, needing to do population control because they recognize that if they want to maintain an Israeli state with a two-tiered hierarchical system of representation within their state where your rights accrue with along with your religious identity, that you cannot allow there to be a large population of Arabs and Muslims within your own country. So what which is means your they solution? have to do legitimate they have to do literal population control, which is why they have two point three million Arabs locked up in an open air prison. To have any kind of democracy. Okay, you're describing say, the problem to me and I endorse the problem. What are you saying is the solution? Well, I'm going to describe the problem because the problem never gets described. Well, you just you just attacked me for not being able to take a solution. I, I, well, you know, I, if I got to do it on your timeline, Robbie, do you want to also give me the words that you want me to say, or do you want me to make the case? The fundamental problem is that Israel, and as it's currently um, self-defined, will not allow the kinds of democracy and freedom of movement in the terms that Palestinians want because they don't want it to ever be the case that they are outnumbered demographically and an actual democracy within Israel. So the kind of solutions that would uh, allow like a one-state solution are going to be rejected by Israel, who wants to maintain a status as a, as a Jewish state. That is the fundamental crux of the issue. And so few of our conversations get to what it means to have a Jewish state, what it means to have a belief that you cannot be safe but for having a demographically rigged situation like that. And I understand, the obviously, the historical conditions that make people feel that way. But I do think that what the last weekend's, and there was a great article in the New York, in New York, in New York Magazine about this, no, in the New Yorker about this, that made the case that the violence and the killing of civilians was horrible last weekend. But what it, I think the reality that it shifted for many Israelis who are now arguing for real peace and some real changes to what's going on in Gaza is that they thought there was this belief that it was sustainable, that you could kind of have a peaceful, happy Israel and shuttle people away, and that was sustainable. And now that people realize that people can break out of the prison with bulldozers and the like, and that they are, in fact, safe, and that they are able to be victimized in the way that people were victimized over the weekend, that they're being forced to the table into a real compromise that doesn't re result in 2.3 million people being kept in an open-air prison for the rest of their lives. But you're just—look, I, I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, I, but I, I'm not, I don't know— I'm being like attacked for not having a solution to the problem. What is this? What is the solution? I, I'm not to the problem? attacking you for not having a solution. The problem is having a solution is very difficult, which is why I don't act. I don't come to the situation that the Palestinians are in with the hubris of wagging my finger and saying, "Oh no, 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 no! You can't do anything. Just sit quiet and don't act." Fundamentally, no, that, is, that is a fundamental. Occupied people have the right I have no to resist. No trouble wagging my finger at violence. Um, especially indiscriminate right. civilian targeting violence. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I said this before. Violence is not a violation of international law. Resistance is not a violation of international law. Many of people, Ukraine is allowed you to fight like back. Hamas has a plan America to overthrow the Israeli to state and declare independence. This was, this was just a terrorist that's, attack. Well, that's not true.
that's not their stated goal. No, of course it's not. Yeah, I don't. I don't think violence, even even if we could somehow structure it to fit under you keep citing international law, is going to lead to the liberation of the Palestinian people. All right. So then, every Ukrainian is doing a violence by shooting back at the Russians that invaded their country. Americans have I doing endorsed or co-signed the 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 Ukrainian. Uh, Russian war? No, I have urged them to no, Rob, come to the table and have a diplomatic negotiation for the survival of both. Well, you know what I'm saying? Uh, saying that there should be peace is not the same thing as saying it is wrong for a, a Ukrainian to fight back. Of course Ukrainians can fight back. Of course that's their right. And of course it's uh, America's right to fight back against the, against the British and free themselves of colonial rule, and for the, the Indians to rise up and fight off colonial rule, and for the Haitians to rise up and fight off their slavers. Of course, I mean, should, in every situation— Should Mexico come start randomly killing we people We literally in fought an, a Mexican-American war. Right. I know. That's what I'm referencing. And if, and if a bunch of people from Mexico came up north and started killing, like, zillions in Arizona, would you say, well— that's part the of their plan of the to States, recapture so, Arizona for I'm the so country of Mexico. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm so glad you brought that up. Oh, I wish I could find the quote. People were passing around a quote of, I'm so bad at history, I'm sorry, whatever president it was at the time. Polk. Was it Polk? For the Mexican no, I think it was, it was. It was, it was, it someone, was, it was someone subsequently, and they were doing a eulogy for a... Was it they were doing a eulogy for Polk or a eulogy for someone else who was a journal in the war? And they said, I don't, I did basically, I don't want to eulogize them because it was an unjust war and they don't deserve the plot. I mean, it, it, it was an unjust war, but the, the, my point is that it, just because it was an un, it, it was in fact an unjust war, but it wouldn't me, make some violent plan to recapture the land today a good idea. <sighs> We've gotten really far afield on this one. Can we let it go there? Absolutely. You're on board the 801, and I'm uh, Kent Garrett. And speaking of the issue of the uh, babies, the uh, beheaded babies, you might recall that on October 10th in 1990, a 15-year-old girl gave false testimony claiming that the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait, uh, saying that she had witnessed Iraqi soldiers taking uh, babies out of incubators in a Kuwaiti prison and uh, remove the incubators and leave the babies to die. That was a lie, and it turned out that she was the daughter of a Kuwaiti uh, ambassador to the U.S., and uh, numerous senators, and at that time numerous senators and President George Bush himself repeated the girl's lies numerous times and used her false testimony to justify support for the war in the uh, Gulf, Gulf War in Kuwait. So let's just keep that in mind. Uh, you are uh, on board the 801. I'm Kent Garrett. Now uh, more from uh, Sager Anjetti and uh, Crystal Ball from the uh, Breaking Points broadcast. I genuinely can't wrap my head around how there is so much less concern for the Palestinian children innocents who are being killed now than the Israelis. And my heart breaks for the Israelis. You know, the outpouring of, of support for the horror that they experienced is, is actually a, a beautiful thing to see that, that global, you know, solidarity against those sorts of senseless, barbaric atrocities. But now that's exactly, like, 
One atrocity does not justify another. And that's already what's happening. I mean, already complete siege. Imagine what that's like to live with no power, no water, no food, no hospital, no ability to live, to leave. And you're 2.2 million people, over a million of whom are children. And that's what we're now watching unfold. And, you know, much of the world is cheering it on. Um, very little restraint. I did see uh, Erdogan in Turkey, not someone I give a lot of credit to often, but, you know, he his applying well, pressure. Well, he's, he's an Islamist, that's why. And um, uh, Well, yeah. applying pressure, also trying to be involved in some sort of, like, diplomatic discussions as well. Um, but I don't think you have to be a quote-unquote Islamist to just care about the humanity of the, the people who are on, um, you know, both sides of this border. I, I don't so. disagree, Crystal. Yeah. I, I, I think what, part of the reason why this is impossible to escape is, and from what I've seen in Israel, this is an existential fight for them. They're moving to elim eliminationism, and they point correctly to the Hamas constitution says that the death of the state of Israel. They're like, look, they don't want us to live. They literally want us to perish. We have no choice but to destroy them. And that's uh, genocidal. Uh, well, no, I'm I mean, not talking about Palestinian. I'm talking the, about Hamas. They're like, we have no choice yeah, but, but to destroy Hamas. Okay, yeah. listen, I accountability for Hamas, 100% on board with that. No problem there. But when you say destroy them, I mean, they're not just destroying Hamas. They are killing indiscriminately civilians. And so, as I said, one atrocity does not merit another. And look— for my, the, for me, the you know the the core rot here outside of you know the terrorists who have their own agency and the atrocities that they committed, but it's an ethno state that has you know increasingly moved to being an authoritarian police state vis-a-vis -vis the Palestinians, and I don't know how you that this is just not a sustainable situation. You are going to continue to have this violence, death, terror, chaos. And that's why this is so difficult to watch unfold, because as you said, I just don't, see, I mean, Netanyahu and his party have already taken a two-state solution off the table. Mm -hmm. Well, most Israelis like, don't really believe in it anymore. They don't. Yeah. But the reason they didn't believe in it is because they were, they were led by their, you know, their leaders, people like Netanyahu, to believe that, oh, this is the status quo, this is going to be fine, it's going to be sustainable. I mean, that's been completely shaken at this to point. To be honest, Crystal, the Palestinians don't really believe in it either. I mean, this is where we also have to be honest. No, the majority vast, do believe in yeah, a two-state solution. The vast majority of them support Hamas. And that's just like when we're in that situation. Like, even in the West Bank, my, I was looking at polling. Hamas got a 53% approval rating inside the West but Bank. But a majority of Palestinians the, yeah. support a two-state solution. And think about it from their perspective. How much have time they've spent a lot of time, including Hamas, as negotiating with the Israelis? Mm -hmm. And they feel like they have never been further from any sort of a peace deal. And they're right. They are right. So so then, and you know, any sort of global protests in favor of like BDS or trying to apply economic pressure, oh, you're an anti-Semite. And so this again is like the horrors and the atrocities here. There is no justification for the tactics. But yeah, that's that's what drives people to support a terrorist organization like Hamas is because you feel like, okay, we've been trying to negotiate and we've never been further away from getting out of this situation. The issue is they've never accepted a two-state solution in the past. I mean, they've had opportunities in 48 and in the 70s, in the 60s, they didn't support it. They thought that they, and look, I mean, I blame the Arabs as much. They always uh, told the Palestinians, said, don't accept a two-state solution because we're just going to conquer Israel and then we'll give you guys your land back. And then they got their asses kicked in the Yom Kippur War and we've basically been in the status quo since then. So, 
look, I don't disagree, and there's plenty of criticism, I think, on the Israeli side. I, I, I absolutely break for Palestinians. I mean, it's horrible, that video that we showed. I don't think it's all that simple, though, um, is that in terms of, like, they just simply support. We are in a situation now where I think the truth is is that the vast majority of the Palestinian people support violent organizations like Hamas. Also, the lot of Israelis believe— but why? Well, yeah, I, I don't disagree not, with you, but we are where like, we are. Yeah. People are not just born, think of yeah. those little kids. Like what kind of ideology are they gonna support? Yeah. You know, where does ISIS, where do terrorist organizations come from? Like it doesn't come out of nowhere. And so, yeah, in a way it's like, yeah, it's not, it's not simple. It's very complex and there's complex history, et cetera. But it's also is very morally simply when you just say like, I am opposed to war crimes by Hamas. Mm -hmm. I am opposed to war crimes by Israel. And I see a lot more concern on one side of the ledger than the other side. I see a lot more care and concern for one type of life over another. And that part, I just can't, as you could say, the politics are complicated and coming to solutions, all of that is true. And the other part that I think is really simple is I think that if you have a state that's based on being an ethno state, you're always going to end up in this horror of apartheid, which is exactly what they have inflicted even on the um, Arabs who live within Israel. Um, you know, the occupation of the West Bank, the blockade of Gaza. I mean, these are atrocities and in violation of international law that Israel's committing all the time. And to me, that is also very morally clear and morally wrong. So in a way, yeah, it's complicated, all the nuance, et cetera, et cetera, but you have to also have some moral clarity about holding both sides to account for their violations of international law, the atrocities they commit and the war crimes they commit. And we're gonna talk more about the discourse, like the fact that there are so few people who can just say that and say it clearly and be comfortable with just condemning war crimes when they happen is one of the most troubling things I've ever seen. The amount of just outright genocidal rhetoric about like, finish them, punish them, destroy them, or the Israelis deserve to be massacred at a music festival because of what their government has done. It's despicable. I, I just can't even wrap my head around I, it. I think it's horrible, and I, I agree. I guess I, I'm only just trying to represent that I wish that people had the same level of concern I think that we're trying to represent on the show but they don't. And when they don't, it's gonna to lead to mass bloodshed and to violence. And we have to kind of get into the minds of who these people are. And you know, the reason why we are where we are here is both populations genuinely feel as if they cannot coexist with the other side. And there's a lot of blame to go around, absolutely a ton. Uh, the more the crackdown has happened in Israel, it's you know created more polarization inside of Hamas, which has led to more polarization inside of Israel. Uh, and you know I don't think, this is gonna be the most difficult probably moment diplomatically to solve. The past ones, Yom Kippur and the Six Day War, we were dealing with nation states like Egypt and Jordan and others. Here, we're not dealing with that. We're dealing effectively with one state and then a terrorist organization, which also happens to be in charge of 2.2 million people with a full-blown humanitarian crisis. And then the states are all surrounding it as well. So I don't know. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, this is why it's so difficult to talk. This is why nobody has been able to solve it so far. So there you go. I'm Kent Garrett. You're on board the 801. And meanwhile, the uh, U.S., the United States, and EU are warning that Israel 
as well as uh, the uh, uh, Hamas must follow the, quote, the rules of the war, but no one seems to be listening. And here is uh, Kim Iverson to tell us what those rules are and uh, what's happening with uh, no one listening. The White House and uh, EU and others have called for Israel to operate under the rules of war. Here's Biden saying you've got to operate under the rules of war. Watch this. I've known Bibi for over 40 years. In a very frank relationship, I know him well. And the one thing that I did say that it is really important that Israel, with all the anger, frustration, and just don't know how to explain it, that exists, is that they operate by the rules of war. The rules of war. And there are rules of war. And, uh, and I believe Israel is doing everything in its power to uh, pull the country together, stay on the same page, and we're going to do everything in our power to make sure there's a succeed and God willing to bring home those Americans who are in harm's way. So Israel's president, um, Isaac Herzog, he actually responds to the calls for Israel to uh, operate under the rules of war. Many others, uh, government officials from different countries have said you must operate under the rules of war. Obviously, the United States has said it. Um, this is what the president has to say. He essentially says, well, they all have missiles in their kitchens. So uh, watch this. Uh, Matt Fry, Channel 4 News in the UK. Um, thank you very much. Um, let me first of all say that there's an enormous amount of genuine, authentic sympathy for Israel and for what your country is going through right now. But listening to your answers in the last few minutes, I'm a little confused. Because on one hand, you say that Israel abides by the rules of war and is very careful to avoid the loss of civilian life in the Gaza Strip. But at the same time, you seem to hold the people of Gaza responsible for not trying to remove Hamas. Now, let me finish. Do you hold a missile in your kitchen? in your living room. Can I ask my question? A missile Sorry. that is sent on our head here, and if there will be a siren, it's a missile from okay. that kitchen. My, my question is this, if I may. You seem to hold the people of Gaza, the civilians of Gaza, responsible for not removing Hamas, and therefore, by implication, that makes them legitimate targets. No, I didn't say that. By implication, you said I that. I want to make it clear. I was asked something about separating civilians from Hamas, but with all due respect, with all due respect, if you have a missile in your goddamn kitchen and you want to shoot it at me, am I allowed to defend myself? Yes. No one That's is, the situation. No one is denying the These right missiles are there. These missiles are launched. The button is pressed. Okay. The missile comes out from the kitchen onto my children. But, but the question is this. Ultimately, you can't remove the people of Gaza. They're going to be stuck in this neighborhood. So we like have to fight. What do you want us to do? Well, so we tell them, get what, out, and we fight against the law. what happens lot. eventually? What happens eventually? Right? Once this war is over now, you're going to have to live with them side by side. Absolutely. What's the plan? The plan is we have to make sure the Hamas will not be able to repeat this again. That is the plan. 
That's what we are trying to do. And if you decapitate it... I see nations fighting terror, okay? Many decent nations, when they fight terror, they fight terror. We are fighting terror. Humanity has to decide. Are we accommodating terror or are we fighting terror? We are fighting terror. And we saw the worst atrocity possible. We see the worst atrocity possible by a whole campaign of a movement which has major support with our neighbors. Major, major. They believe, many people believe in it. I agree. There are many, many innocent Palestinians who don't agree to this. But unfortunately, in their homes, there are missiles sh shooting at us, at my children, at the entire nation of Israel. We have to defend ourselves. We have the full right to do so. And it's about time that the world understands it. This is the tragedy of using terror. And terror has no, there's no mercy to terror. It's insane, insane to believe that all of these Palestinians have missiles in their kitchens and in their living rooms. It's racist and insane to actually to think that it's a it's just they're all terrorists and they just grandma has a missile in her kitchen <laughs> i mean it's look i mean it's 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 completely not true uh where hamas locates their missiles where they have the missiles you'd think that israeli intelligence would be wise enough that they'd be able to see that i'm sure there's satellite images they know this that the point is not to go after Hamas, it is to terrorize the group of people to get them to leave, to get them to get out of there so that they can claim the land that they're wanting to claim. Uh, that is the end goal there. So it is. It, so then it is, it, it, it's in their best interest to claim they're all terrorists and that they all need to be targeted to get them all out of there in order to accomplish that end goal of just eradicating them from the land so that it all belongs to Israel because you know, the promises, God promised the land to the people or something, whatever it is that people believe. Um, but listen, you know, when it comes to the rules of war, at the end of the day, I don't have any expectation whatsoever that an organization like Hamas, for example, is going to operate under the rules of war. Uh, as he mentions, oh, they all have rockets in their kitchens or their living rooms or whatever. And I see this all the time on social media as well. People saying, well, what about Hamas? They're not operating by the rules of war. So why should the Israelis? Well, we don't give money to Hamas, at least not that I know of. I would, I would hope we're not. And certainly not secretly. I don't expect organizations that are not official governments or maybe that are deemed terrorist organizations or militia groups or whatever. I don't expect them to operate under the same rules that I expect a first world developed government to operate under. My expectation is that a government is going to operate with in, in a more measured way, that they're going to be um, they're going to be more humane, that they're going to operate at a higher level than terrorist organizations. That is just my expectation. So whether or not Hamas operates under the rules of war or not, it doesn't absolve these developed governments, these first world developed Western democratic governments, at least they claim to be, it doesn't suddenly allow them to act like animals. And that is what they're doing. They're acting like, well, if they're going to act like animals towards us, then we're going to act like animals towards them. And that is not the way we want to operate as a society. We don't believe in vigilante justice, right? We have a judicial system to handle those types of things. We're not going after in a vigilante way. We've risen above that. We're more enlightened. And when it comes to war, we're supposed to be more enlightened as well.
This will just backfire on Israel, and it's beginning to. The news reports at first, of course, everybody, as that reporter was saying when he was asking President Herzog about the rules of war, people are extremely sympathetic to what the Israeli people are going through. The terror that they felt over the weekend cannot be discounted or minimized in any way. They, of course, felt an immense amount of terror, and they're still living under an immense amount of terror. Being in a war zone is terrifying. But this now is beginning to backfire, because as they're going and doing these very harsh measures against the Palestinian people, the rest of the world is saying, wait a minute, this is just going too far. You need to operate under the rules of war. And this is just not, this will ultimately harm Israel. This will ultimately harm their mission, and it, it harms the narrative for sure that they're just under attack and there's nothing they could do. The world is watching. We have the internet. We can see the stories. We see the deaths. We're hearing from the Red Cross. We're hearing from the UN. We're hearing from schools. We're seeing in the news the children that are, that are being maimed and harmed and massacred. And people are not going to excuse that from a first world Western democratic nation, especially not one that we, the United States, we, the American people, give billions of dollars to every single year. We will not accept this. And they have to understand that and act in a much more measured way uh, moving forward. And I hope that they do. War is terrible. There's no way to minimize the fact. I mean, look, people are going to get caught in the middle of war. Civilians are going to be killed. This is why war is terrible and why we should be seeking out a genuine peace agreement uh, between the two, between the Palestinians and the Israelis. They need to live together in peace. That was a piece from uh, Kim Iverson and uh, Australian journalist uh, Caitlin Johnstone has an essay this morning titled Israeli Intelligence Suddenly Knows Exactly Where Hamas Is. It's read by uh, Tim Foley. Israeli Intelligence Suddenly Knows Exactly Where Hamas Is. It's interesting how last week Israel had no idea what Hamas was up to, and yet this week they know every mosque, school, and hospital that Hamas is hiding in. When you live under an empire of lies, you'll be asked to believe a lot of very stupid things. The dumbest thing we're being asked to believe this week is that Israel's intelligence services are simultaneously so incompetent that Saturday's Hamas attack took them totally by surprise, but also so competent that all the buildings they're destroying with their relentless bombing campaign on Gaza are directed solely at Hamas. The phrase Hamas targets has been all over the news media the last few days in reference to the ongoing attacks on Gaza, which have, as of this writing, killed over 1,500 Palestinians, a third of them children. Israel conducts large-scale strikes on Hamas targets, reads a CNN headline. Israel conducts large-scale strike on Hamas targets, reads the title of a segment for ABC News. Israel says it dropped 6,000 bombs so far against Hamas targets, reads a report by the Washington Post. Gosh, Israel must have really great visibility into Gaza to know that each of those 6,000 bombs was aimed at Hamas targets, and not just civilian buildings. Where was this 2020 vision when Hamas was preparing for an attack using paragliders, drones, and motorboats in an enclosed strip of land the size of Philadelphia? How did Israeli intelligence fail to detect preparations for this attack even after Egyptian intelligence warned them that it was coming? 
How did they fail so spectacularly that even Hamas was reportedly surprised by the scale of their operation's success? Is it really reasonable to believe they were blind as moles to Hamas activity last week, but have the eye of the eagle this week? President Biden made some noises on Wednesday about how important it is that Israel operate by the rules of war, which sounded like empty cover-your-ass narrative fluff even before we heard U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan dismissing any notion of red lines that Israel must not cross in Gaza. Not even mainstream empire apologists are buying it. Politico's Andrew Ward, in an article sponsored by Lockheed Martin, in which he writes that Israel's ferocious counterattack is easy to understand given the severity of the Hamas attack, writes that the Biden administration wants Israel to abide by the laws of war as it responds to Hamas's barbaric attack, but Jerusalem doesn't appear to be listening. A flood of reports challenges Israel's claim that it's exercising caution, Ward writes. Mosques, hospitals, and schools have been hit with airstrikes, as have healthcare facilities and ambulances. Gazans, many of whom don't support Hamas or its activities, have nowhere to flee as the Strip is under siege, adds Ward. Shrapnel has flown into seven hospitals and ten UN emergency shelters. The situation has gotten so bad that the Red Cross says hospitals, already low on electricity, water, and supplies, risk turning into morgues. Of course Israel isn't abiding by the rules of war. They're not even pretending to. Human Rights Watch has just issued a statement decrying Israel's unlawfully indiscriminate use of white phosphorus in Gaza and in Lebanon. And an Israeli security official told the Israeli press that the IDF's plan is to turn Gaza into a city of tents with no buildings. This is all publicly available information. Yet the Western press has the gall to use the phrase Hamas targets when describing Israel's bombing campaign in Gaza. I'm sorry, but that's demented. The only reason to do something like that would be to administer propaganda. The claim that Israel is targeting Hamas when it destroys buildings in Gaza is further undermined by the fact that Hamas would be taking shelter underground during this bombing campaign. As journalist Sharmin Narani explained on Twitter, Hamas cadres live underground in Gaza which they have learned to do after countless Israeli bombing campaigns. The only people being massacred in Gaza by Israeli terror planes right now are Palestinian civilians and Israeli POWs. In reality, both the claims that Israeli intelligence was taken by surprise by the Hamas attack and that Israel is solely targeting Hamas with its Gaza strikes are highly suspect and worthy of intense scrutiny. Israel has never been averse to killing Palestinian civilians, And there's no reason to feel confident Israeli intelligence didn't let the attack through in order to justify long-standing agendas like the elimination of Gaza as a Palestinian territory. Both claims can be false, but from where I'm sitting, it looks highly unlikely that they're both true. If you want to support Israel's bombing campaign in Gaza, then go ahead. And if you want to uncritically accept the official narrative about Saturday's attack, then you do you. But don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. And that's going to be it for this edition of the 801. Thank you for joining us. And I'm Kent Garrett. I will uh, talk to you again on Monday. And uh, have a uh, good weekend.